0: Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast with Aaron Crowley. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, I am your host, and I'm feeling a wee bit under the weather today. <laughs> Turns out you can't outrun uh, COVID nineteen forever, and uh, I got a positive test. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am quarantined, working at home. Thankfully, I'm not flat on my back. I uh, I am upright, but I am not at a hundred percent by any means. So, what uh, what is it a hundred percent? Actually, it's at about a hundred and ten, maybe a hundred and twenty percent. Is my commitment to you? My commitment to showing up here every week and sitting down with you to talk about how to make our businesses better, to talk about how to improve the business side of our stone shop so that we're better able to serve the customers that we serve and so that our businesses are better capable of serving us outside of the business. So I consider the opportunity to do this a huge privilege. And so um, I will stop at nothing to show up and uh, record these podcasts. And uh, I just so value and so appreciate the opportunity to have this relationship with you, fellow fabricators. So here I am going to give it my best shot. And so I want to talk about a topic today, kind of pivoting, I guess the topic's not a pivot, but the story's a pivot off of the last episode. Today's topic, talking about the uh, the difference between verbal or spoken instructions or communication and uh, written communications, they're very different. Um, they, have, they serve very different purposes, and we need to understand that when we misapply them, we leave the door wide open for huge misunderstandings, huge miscommunications, huge problems in our businesses, and in some cases, you know, uh, people's health is, is put at risk, and so I want to tell a story kind of following or piggybacking on the last episode story where I talked about my, uh, my introduction to the stone industry. I got a summer job in high school way back in 1993, the summer between my junior and senior year in high school, working in a stone shop, um, great experience. I fell in love with the work and then ended up working right through the summer and into the beginnings of my senior year, which, thankfully, I only had to take two classes, uh to graduate and so i would go to school in the morning i'd skip lunch because i didn't particularly care for school anyway and i'd go straight down to the stone shop and go to work now my day would always begin first step was to go into the foreman's office and ask him, you know what am i going to be doing today and he'd give me my instructions and then i'd get to work typically when i would show up the rest of the crew would be on lunch break um and then i would begin working and then they'd come back to work and you know that was that was how it worked and on one particular day I remember it was a very beautiful day. It was probably late September. So I'd worked for this shop for two, three, four months at this point, And I'd been a helper. I was a floor sweeper. I would pick countertops up and take them down. I was a slurry tank cleaner. I did anything that needed to be done to help get jobs out the door in that shop. I walk in one day to the foreman's office to ask for my instructions. And he says, well, you're not uh, you're not doing that anymore. He proceeds to reach into his desk and he pulls out a set of wet polishing pads. I remember they had a rubber band about around them. And he hands them to me across the desk and he says, we promoted you to be a polisher. Which, at age 17, in that crowd, working in that shop to have been, in a sense, elevated to the point where they would even give me a promotion was a huge, huge and significant accomplishment for me. I'll never forget it. So at that point, I became a polisher. I was part-time, you know, going to school in the the morning, and then I'd come in and work in the afternoon. It was a big deal. Another interesting fact, Eddie, the individual from my story last week, was the one who actually taught me how to wet polish. It was kind of cool how that came, you know, full circle in the end. So anyway, at this stage of my Fab Shop career, I uh, was a wet polisher, and the story picks up on a Friday afternoon. I come in, I go to work, I'm doing my polishing. Now, this set of pads that I had was... uh, Kind of a cheap. I don't know if they were plastic or resin, but again, this is 1993, so wet polishing technology was very new. The premium pads, all the finishers, all the fabricators, the full-time guys got to use Alpha pads. They were super expensive. They were super highly prized, and they were not just doled out willy-nilly by any means. If you needed a new pad, you had to go to the foreman and go, "Hey, uh, my uh, my 200 grit pads wore out." And it's like, "What do you mean? I gave you a new pad two and a half weeks ago. What'd you do to it?" Well, I. Polished 50 sinks and it's wore out. Well, okay, here's another one. I mean, these things were like gold. You just took very good care of them. The fabricators all kept a very close eye on their pads. They didn't loan them out, they didn't dole them out. They were a you know, a hot commodity, okay? Locked up in the locker at the end of the day. So anyway, that there, there's the backdrop. So it's Friday afternoon. I've got these crummy pads and I'm working. End of the shift, another fabricator, his name was Billy. True story. Um, Billy was a, uh, lived a pretty hard life, was a hard drinker, hard, uh, hard partier, and and he was raring to go for another weekend, and on his way out the door, as he's wrapping up his shift, he proceeds to come up to me, and, and he hands me his set of alpha wet polishing pads, he's like, hey, Aaron, um, I, and I would typically work, you know, I wouldn't always cut off at four o'clock. I'd, I'd oftentimes work till five, five thirty, depending on what I was working on, because I'd start late. And so I could get a little bit more time before the office, you know, uh, people in the office shut the shop down all the way. And so anyway, I was going to continue working. He hands me this set of alpha wet polishing pads and says I could use them for the rest of my shift. I'm like, holy cow, Billy. That's a very, I'm, in retrospect, I didn't say this, but this is a big deal that he would offer to let me use those highly prized, highly, you know, guarded pads so he leaves. I go back to work. I finish my shift, and now I'm back at my locker, or this big bank of lockers where everybody, you know, stores their aprons and stores their pads. Everybody's lockers locked. Um, although I did not have a locking locker, I never bothered to bring a um a padlock in because I didn't have anything of value <laughs> to store in there. So anyway, it's Friday afternoon. Everybody's gone. It's like, oh shoot! I go to put these pads and back in Billy's locker, and it's locked, and I can't I can't put them in there. And I'm like, oh, now what do I do? Well, being 17, not having half a brain. I go, well, I'll, I'll put him in my locker. It doesn't have a lock. you will find him on Monday morning, you know, and I don't think another thing of it. <laughs> I go on my weekend, and I come back on Monday at lunchtime. I got off of school. I come down to work. I'm at my bank of lockers, or I, I'm at the lockers, and there's a note on my locker door. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It's like a piece of notebook paper torn, you know, across the side. It's written in pencil, and it's taped to my door, and I peel it off, and I start reading it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, I guess, point number one to this story, the power of the written word. 28 years later, I literally still remember word for word what was written on this note. And it was a note from Billy. And it said something like this, if you ever take something of mine again, I'm going to kick your bleeping bleep. The bleeping started with an F, so I'll let you your imagination uh, explain what he was really saying. Signed, Billy. If you ever take something of mine again, I'm going to kick your bleeping bleep. And I'm just utterly, du- I have the foggiest idea of what he's talking about. But interestingly enough, coincidentally, or maybe it wasn't a coincidence, at the very moment I'm reading this note with great alarm and confusion, Billy happens to walk by close enough to make eye contact with me and, and to reiterate. Almost, I, I could still see his face. It was this daring, taunting, I'm not screwing around, you ever mess with me again, and you're going to wind up on the floor, which entirely possible in that environment. I had no idea what he's talking about. So we now have eye contact. He he's reiterating this. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, dude, I'm serious. Do not screw around with my stuff. If you ever mess with my stuff again, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat the crap out of you. And I had I honestly had no idea what he's talking about. And he's like, I found my pads in your locker. And I was like, what? And at this point, you know, I'm like, okay, now I know what's going on. I was like, Billy, you 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 lent those to me on Friday afternoon on your way out the shop, and your your locker was locked. So here's the other point: he forgot. He did not remember, and even when I told him, he still did not remember. I don't know what kind of weekend he had. I don't know how hungover he was when he showed up on Monday morning and started looking for his pads and couldn't find him and found him and wrote the note and here he went anyway. He he would accept no explanation. He would accept no excuse. His words stood, and it did stand. It stood for 28 years in my mind. I still remember that, that, that letter or that note that he wrote me. And so the, here, here I am trying to explain to him that he had lent these pads to me on a Friday afternoon, and he doesn't remember. He does not remember having had that conversation. And so when I look back on this story, I think there's two things to take from this, ladies and gentlemen, that apply very, very well to us as leaders, as owners of stone shops in the realm of communication. When things are spoken verbally, when we speak, and I'm going to put this into the category of important work, critical tasks, safety policies, you know, things that that, that you know, greatly affect the profitability of the business. When when we give verbal instructions, we leave the door wide open for misunderstandings, miscommunications, and for people to simply forget. <laughs> That the word was spoken. Now in this case, Billy forgot his own words. But but here's the point: had I had the presence of mind, which I didn't, had I had had I had the forethought to go, okay, what's the best way to handle this? He's not here for me to speak to. This is before the day of. Nobody had cell phones; they weren't available yet. You couldn't text anybody anything. So I just, you know, no communication. What I could have done was written a note that would have preempted his note. Hey Billy, thanks for letting me use your pads. I went to put them away on Friday, but your locker was locked they 're in my locker. Hope you have a great day. That written communication would have utterly resolved this situation now it also would have prevented this <laughs> this metaphor this story uh, so i 'm glad that it happened. My point is though had I had 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 I taken the time to write down that communication it would have been received in such a way that would have avoided this whole situation. Written communication is unbelievably powerful, and so the converse of this—the written communication he gave me when he wrote it on Monday morning, and I got it at you know, lunchtime on that that particular Monday—here it is, twenty-eight days, twenty-eight years later, ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, I still literally remember almost word for word what that note said, and it, it illustrate. It speaks to the point that written instructions are incredibly powerful. And for those of us who want to build businesses that consistently deliver the promise made to the customer, even in our absence, we have to increasingly rely on written instructions, documentation. We've got to get in the habit. We've got to get out of the habit of assuming and expecting that our spoken words are going to be remembered 100% of the time or 100% understood Because the reality is, is that's just impractical. Human beings, ladies and gentlemen, here's here's another point to illustrate. Let's just say you wanted to give somebody brief instructions, and I'm talking like the briefest instructions. If you tried to speak those instructions and repeat them three times, guaranteed, each time you repeated your instructions, they would differ. They would vary. You would not be able to even give the same word-for-word instructions three times in a row. And so what's lost in translation, the likelihood of of, of of our words being misunderstood is just high, and we just have to understand that. We need to recognize the inadequacy of the spoken word in important situations and realize that the proper role, the most effective role, is written communications, that if we can begin to default, avoid that pitfall of, of making those statements verbally or in the spoken word and putting them in writing— written policies, written procedures, safety procedures in particular, um, delegated work that we want performed, we've got to write it down, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot assume, we cannot expect for human beings to receive that information and then to remember it with everything else that is going on in life, inside and outside of work. And so that's the point, ladies and gentlemen. There's a huge risk in relying on the spoken word and huge potential, massive, massive potential to be gained when we default to writing that information down. Now, I'm going to share a couple of quotes with you. They're just fantastic to illustrate this point. Number one, this is Neil Postman. The written word endures, the spoken word disappears. (laughs) That so perfectly describes this situation from 28 years ago with my interaction with Billy The written word endures and the spoken word disappears. And in some cases, the spoken word can disappear over the weekend or overnight or even in the moment. Here's another great, this actually isn't a quote. This is a proverb, Chinese proverb. The faintest ink is more powerful than the strongest memory. Isn't that true? Ladies and gentlemen, our default, our moving towards getting agreements in writing, making instructions in writing, isn't because we don't trust people isn't because people have bad motives or or their character isn't strong enough to, you know, to keep their word. It's that we have a hard time remembering what we said. We have a hard time remembering what we've said. We have a hard time remembering what other people have said. And so for us to use this principle um, is for us to gain. It's for us to ad- advance and move and develop and grow as leaders. Our businesses are going to be better for it. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this latest episode of the Fab Lab podcast. COVID or not, coronavirus or not, there will be another episode next week. I hope that you tune in then. More importantly, I hope that you stay safe. Happy fabricating.